it's time to officially, if you haven't already, and I kind of already had, I would say it's time to readjust your expectations uh, about this team completely. That's a reasonable statement, Graham. I thought you were going to say something like, throw in the towel, stop watching. No, no. Um, if you do that, you're a fair, fair weather and, loser. Or it, say the season's screwed. Well. The outlook's not good, but we're not out of it. Right, we're but, not out but of it. But it's fair to readjust expectations, because yeah. I would agree. Even I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, this is a World Series team right or now. Or even a playoff team. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. The Braves are going to the World Series Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network. Adam, how's it going, sir? Pretty good, Graham. Pretty damn good. Like, I, this is such a strange feeling for me. I feel like it, it still hasn't, like, totally set in that... We are doing a World Series show, Grant. Like, normally the World Series, something is like, the World Series starts, and that's when I stopped watching baseball over the last, like, five years or so, at least. Yeah. And um, for the boys to get it done in game six, that was a giddy feeling. I, I was, I know you did as well, but I, I instantly started tearing up. I was I was not expecting that, because, you know, we don't win, we still haven't won a championship, but, like, we don't win national league championships like i don't i've never known how i would react in that situation and it was just joy it felt so good i was so proud of that the team the players the coach everything and it's like atlanta we deserve this and uh it's not over though graham it's not over it's not over i would i would echo those sentiments i definitely shed a few tears i I thought i was going to like outright ball like i thought i was gonna like have like a sobbing like ugly cry Sort of thing. I did not. I just kind of like a few tears were, were shed, but I never like lost it emotionally. Yeah, we were in Florida with the with the in laws, so like I immediately just grabbed Alexa and was just screaming in her face, like you know, I was trying to uh, like I was some person had been lost in the desert for about fifty years and had just seen a person for the first time in their life, and then I rushed up and grabbed uh, Preston, my my father in law. I was just like, you gotta give it up for that man. You gotta give it up for that. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's more like get the hell off me or yeah, that's great. And then I uh, did not grab my mother-in-law as aggressively. I did give her a hug, though. And then I uh, did a little uh, video and jumped into the pool. Very cold water. Um, it was so much fun, though. Yeah. It's been so crazy. This whole series, I've been. It's, it's just been euphoria. Even the games we lost, I never felt like we're screwed. We're out of it. We're done. Game two, going to that game, which we mentioned briefly in the last episode, but it was so much fun going to that game, that comeback, 4-2, improbable comeback, um, and then coming all the way home to this unreal game six. Um, I haven't felt like this since being a kid. I still can vividly remember, you know, starting about 96, you know, how it fe- how it felt to win a, a national championship, be a fan of a team that wins a national championship. But it's a whole new context when you're an adult and you've gone so long without it. I mean, as a kid, I was just like, this is what's expected. You know, it wasn't as big of a deal. It's like winning the World Series is the only option. If you don't do that, you're a loser. This time with this season, all the struggle, all the bullshit, it, it's, I mean, it's a feeling unparalleled. It's even greater than the Falcons going to the Super Bowl in, in that 2015-16 season um, because, or whenever that was, 2016-2017, 
I think it's just because of just all they had to overcome this year. And on paper, they, you know, by by as we played that uh, that clip at the beginning of the show in July, we were done. So for them to come this far, I still can't believe it. Yeah, I mean, twenty after not being there for twenty two years, you certainly appreciate just this milestone so much more than you would back there when you're winning divisions every year and yeah. going to the World Series in the nineties. Yeah. It it's truly special. So I, I had someone took a picture of me. I was I was watching at a bar in EAV, and someone took a picture of me in the moment, just like staring up the screen. I had my my arm around a sometimes correspondent and great user Arthur Roach, and then my wife Veronica, and one of her family members commented that I looked happier in that picture than I did at my own wedding. <laughs> you might have been. <laughs> I wasn't as nervous as I was at the wedding. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, You're a little older. You can appreciate things a little more. Yeah, yeah, a little wiser. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was awesome. It was so like that night inning. I, I, my head was just down the whole time. I could barely watch. Uh, even though Will mowed him down, as yeah. he's been doing, and then like that that play to we'll be watching that play for decades of da- that Dansby made to get us to the World Series, like it just made it look routine. That's yeah. not a routine play. Yeah. Once he once he completed the tr- like the once he fielded it and completed the you know get to his feet, but even before he threw it, I was like he's got it. Like you just you just knew it. Yeah. Um, what what a pregnant feeling though. That ball felt like it took about ten years to get to Freddie. And the first thing you see is Freddie just going nuts. You think of all the stuff he's been through, you know, battling COVID last year, almost freaking dying from a 106-degree fever or whatever it was, all he went through for the organization, enduring the rebuild, um, you know, being the last sort of uh, mentee of Chipper Jones. Um, can't imagine what he's been feeling over the last 48 hours. That, that whole night during the game, I was squawking about just all the great stories on that team. Like, there is Freddie, like, just – you know he's been our our solid, consistent, go to guy yeah. for the last. I mean the last decade plus. Uh, but then like some of the guys that get us there, obviously Rosario, Mr. MVP, hitting five sixty is just ridiculous. That's five sixty. Like you don't see that in yeah. a series. No, like, not you don't see a Braves player doing that. That's like some David Ortiz twenty thirteen Red Sox stuff right there. It's like Carlos Beltran that run he had against us in like two thousand eleven or yeah, something. When like he was that. on the Astros, yeah, yeah. on the Astros. Um, and then like some of the arms of the pitch, like AJ Minter, for him to come out get two scoreless shutdown innings, and it's like this guy the last two years he's been up and down from the minors. Like this year, he was in the minors for a couple months, yeah. just trying to get his head on straight. And then we get playoff Minter for the second year in a row. It's like this is a guy that has struggled. He has failed. It hasn't been an easy ride for him in the majors. And he just, when we need him, he is there. And then Matzik, of course. Like also, a lot of other people have said this as well, but I agree. Like, I mean, Rosario just played out of his mind, but Matzik deserves an MVP for this series just as much as yeah, him. Yeah, you could have divvied it up. Um, but either way, those two were the most critical pieces of the puzzle. A.J. Minter pitched the greatest inning of relief I've ever seen in baseball. And I'm not just saying that as a Braves fan. Um, Minter I'm, or Matzik? Sorry, Matzik. Minter was beautiful too, but but Matzik pitched the greatest inning I've ever seen in, in, in postseason baseball history. Maybe all of baseball. Maybe the single greatest uh, 15 minutes of, of sport I've ever seen. Um to come into that game in that situation, runners on second and third, you're facing Albert Pujols, which you're not terrified of, but you still got to respect him. 
right? He'd beaten us a couple. Days he had a earlier. great. He had a great game, um, game five. in game five. Went I think two for two with a walk. Um, he was you know his old self. So to come in there, in that scenario, we literally have. Remember, I said before this series, when you play the Dodgers, you almost have to play perfect baseball. This was the definition of perfect baseball: strikes out Pujols, makes him look like a chump, then strikes out Souza. Makes him look like he should never even picked up a bat. He should have just, you know, gone back into his mother's womb. And then made Mookie Betts, former MVP, the guy who was the thorn in our side last year, who I hate maybe more than any Dodger on that team, not personally, but just, you know, as a rival, to make him look the way he did. Fastball, fastball, fastball. All three at like 97, 98, maybe 99, one of them, whatever. And just to make him look clueless out there. Swing and a miss on strike three. Strike out the side. Guys in second and third in game six of the National League Championship Series. You cannot script something more insane than that. And Tyler Matzik proved that it wasn't a script. It was reality. I'm getting chills just talking about it right now. That was, you will never see anything like that ever again. I mean, and it was funny with him, like as much as I was, like I was, I think Arthur told me I needed to calm down. I, I was certainly acting like you a little bit. At the bar, as um, as Luke Jackson was throwing things away, I was losing my shit. Yeah. But like once I saw Matzik throw that first pitch, I was like, "Ooh, you know what? If anyone can get out of this, it's him. It's him. Yeah. We've seen him do it before, multiple times this season, and like he is just so locked in. No one, no one on earth is throwing a baseball better than Tyler Matzik no. right now. I don't think anyone in the history of baseball. I, I think I tweeted this. Like no one. No one could have hit Tyler Matzik that night. Not a soul. And I'm, I'm looking at this this box score right now. It's just ridiculous. So he he got his two innings. Obviously, no hits, no runs, no walks, four Ks, 17 pitches, 15 strikes. I think I went to the bathroom for that eighth inning, and it was over. Like oh really? It was so cool. Oh yeah, he they they were they were a little more aggressive. I think maybe they talked about being more aggressive in the. Um, you know, during their at-bats just because, you know, Matzik was throwing just nothing but strikes. So it was like, let's get a little more aggressive. And, it, and he was just pitching so well they couldn't do anything with the pitches. They were just expertly placed, amazing spin on his off-speed stuff. And the velocity on the fastball was was outstanding. It was a live fastball moving all over the place. Um, and, to, and to come back, too, in the eighth inning to do that after how emotional that was to get through the seventh and then go through, who was it, Seeger and um, – I can't remember who the the third batter in the Will turn- Smith and Taylor. Yeah. Or Turner. Wasn't it Turner? It was Seeger, Seeger, Smith, Turner. Oh, yeah. Seeger, Turner, Smith. Seeger, Turner, Smith. Or Trey Turner, that is. Yeah, right. Trey Turner because yeah. Justin Turner got injured. Yeah, to do that and then make those guys who are probably the best hitters in their lineup, maybe other than Buki, just look like idiots. Like they you know, were double-A players. You can't say enough about Tyler Matzik. Words don't do him justice. Um, legend. Braves playoff legend, for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Luke Jackson decision. I was not in favor of this even before Luke came in. I was like, we got to give you know two innings of Mentor, two innings of Matzik, give it to Smith. I was very, very – that was the only – I feel like that was the only mistake that Snicker made in the entire series. Um, just because even though Luke didn't pitch poorly that last outing in Los Angeles, it was like that was his last outing. He's coming into a huge situation – might not be the right time to give him the ball, especially with how good Matzik had been. Obviously, Matzik got out of it, but man alive, you were walking a huge tightrope there. 
I hear that, but Luke's been our guy all year. True. And like we're going to need him in the World Series. No doubt. And if you if you don't go to him in that situation, it's cuz think I mean, it's not a given that Matza can go two innings, you know. No, but he was just he had pitched so well. And in these moments we talk about managing in the playoffs and how you have to do it a little differently sometimes. Well, how'd that work out for Dave Roberts? Well, he he made some bad decisions and we'll get to that in a second. But I'm talking about with in this situation relievers in particular. You gotta be able to to roll the dice with your best guys. Your best guys in the bullpen in that series were Mentor, Matzik, and Smith. And if you gotta get multiple innings out of them, you gotta do it. You could not trust Luke Jackson in that situation, in my opinion. I would have rather have given him the ball in game one or two of this upcoming series um, in a less higher leverage, hopefully a less higher leverage. You can't pick the situations. I just wouldn't have done it. I would not have done it. We got out of it. Luke is hopefully gonna be right for the World Series. Um, I know he was talking after the game, like, the Dodgers are my daddy, I think he said, which, yeah, was, he which was funny. Yeah. He was able to admit that. I felt for Luke, too. I mean, we all, you know, we here at the show love Luke Jackson, appreciate what he's done. He's been our best reliever all season. He never really faltered um, and just had a, a rough NLCS, obviously. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's, he was the guy. I just wouldn't have done it. That was that was tough to watch. Oh, and, yeah. and then, like, you know nobody was cheering for Matzik harder than Luke Jackson. Right. Like, us – Luke Jackson blows it. We probably lose game seven. We're feeling really bad today. We're definitely not doing a podcast no. today. <laughs> we'll probably do, do a podcast for like three weeks. We, we would have contractual taken, obligations to be damned. We would have taken taken a bit of a breather, but you know we would have gotten over it. Well, maybe you wouldn't have. I don't know. I don't know. That that would have stuck in my craw for a while. It's just like, oh my god, here we go. But that was tough to watch. So I like I'm, I'm, I was just as happy like for myself and for Atlanta and the team as I was for Luke Jackson that match that came in and did what he did. And like, like you said, it's like that that's going to go off in Atlanta. That's going to go down in Atlanta playoff lore as just like true greatness. Like, yeah, as big as Rosario's home run was that game, that was massive. We're not in this position if it weren't for that. But two runners on, nobody out in the seventh inning, especially just like you're sitting up against all the crap the media has been talking about all week about, oh, Dodgers were down 2-0 and then 3-1 last year as well and like oh they won game five convincingly like everyone was just waiting for the Dodgers the Dodgers that you were terrified and almost crying about about a week and a half ago uh they're that, still a scary team <laughs> I'm just saying man they almost they came are back. a scary team but so are, they we, were, yeah. so are we Grant. no we are definitely a scary team but I mean and I'm not saying you know this is nothing against the Braves the Dodgers certainly ran the gamut in this postseason but I'll also say all the people who are saying you know Dodgers were banged up the Dodgers had to play the wild card game. The Dodgers had to play the Giants. It's like, yes, that's all true. However, you know, we, as we've mentioned a million times, Acuna gone, Ozuna gone, Darno missed most of the year. Soroka never pitched an inning. Um, Pache sucked. Uh, you know, we went through we, we went through the gamut too. We also went up against, I think, almost everyone would consider the best starting rotation in this playoff series, or the entire playoffs in Milwaukee. The Brewers, yeah. And we beat them. And they're – you know, so-called dominant bullpen. And then we went in and played the juggernaut, who are the Dodgers. Even though, yes, they were banged up, we beat them too. So screw everybody and their excuses. Everybody's banged up. Everybody had problems. We were missing our best player. They were missing their best player. And we beat them. So up yours. That was another graphic that was going around a lot that I appreciated, like the three different outfields that the Braves have had this year. Yeah. So we started the year with Acuna, Pache, and Ozuna, and then Pache obviously wasn't ready, wasn't what he, what we thought he was with the bat. Uh, Ozuna 
had his legal issues, we'll call it that, and then uh, Acuna has the knee injury that everyone knows about, and then we have the middle ages of Heredia, Almonte, and Orlando Arcia. That those were some, that was a dark month or so, and, and now after the trade deadline, we got as everyone knows Eddie Rosario, Soler, Duvall, and Jock. It's just like it, it's it's pretty wild that this is like that's that's the same. 162 game season that I'm talking about there. Yeah. Who would have thunk it? And everybody who was like, Braves only won 88 games, Dodgers won 106. It's like, yeah, but we had the best record. That's such a lazy narrative. It is. It's also like we had the best record August and on in all of baseball. So it's not about the, it is about the whole season, but it's also about the playoffs, as we've said a million times, and the Braves are actually playing into this for the first time I've, I've ever seen in terms of just being super hot at the right time and putting together a good team at the right time, everybody coalescing and gelling in a way that you just, it's lightning in a bottle that you must take advantage of. The Braves are doing that right now. They are the epitome of postseason darlings. It's like what we talked about uh, going into the pen when we're trying to close out the division, like us playing that way down the stretch and playing some good teams down some stretch and beating. Like, you know, it all started with that Sunday in San Francisco with the Rosario cycle. Yeah. Since that day, we have not lost consecutive games. And including the playoffs, including the playoffs. So just like having to overcome like the slow start to the season, overcoming the Phillies, you know, taking it to the Brewers. It's like, we're, we're, we're hot right now, Graham. Yeah. Like it's, it's awesome. Like, yeah, we're normally the team that was able to coast through September, you know, rest people for a couple of weeks, try to get healthy and then just not flip that switch. You can't flip the switch like that. Right. And yeah, let's talk a little bit more about Eddie Rosario. I feel like he's not getting I mean, we we have said it's been insane what he's done. But I mean, that at bat against Walker Bueller. Also, the 14 postseason hits is the most that anyone's gotten in a, in six games. There was someone who also did that in seven games, but Eddie did it in six. And his last out was almost a damn home run or his last at bat. But the fortitude, the ability to continue to foul off pitches. Um, against Bueller, I think he fouled off three pitches, one-two, before sending that that cutter into the chop house seats. Um, I mean, what an at bat! What a series! We have, we have net we have we've had some players that we in the history of, of the franchise who have caught fire when you least expect them to. Um, Mark Lemke immediately coming to mind in the early '90s, being the guy who was kind of like Mister October for us then. You know, we've seen Chipper have big series. We've seen Freddie have big series before. But to have someone do what he's done, I've never seen anything like it. Him and Matzik are like these unicorns that have come down from the sky and just graced us with their presence, with these performances. I, I cannot get over how great Rosario's been. Nothing they did worked. He was hitting homers off lefties. He crushed Urias in, uh, when was that, game four. He destroyed Bueller in game six. He was the hero of game two with the, the walk-off hit. He had four hits in that game, too. I cannot believe how good he's been. He's He's been good since he came here. At a very solid OPS. I think he was like 900 or 960 or something during the, the regular season. But, my God. It's like 1.647 or something in, in, in these playoffs. And I, I just cannot get over how great he is. Like, <laughs> I keep saying that. I can't get over this. I can't believe this. This is the magic of postseason baseball. I'm so happy that everybody's getting to experience this, and I couldn't be happier for Eddie Rosario. Um, he's probably going to 
get a nice uh, paycheck wherever he goes after the uh, the offseason if he's not with the Braves. Yeah, it feels like I don't I don't know if Eddie's going to be back next year, but like Braves country will always remember. Oh yeah, Eddie Rosario. Yeah, like it, it, and he's not one of those like at the trade deadline everyone's trying to get uh, like Gallo and like all these bigger names and those guys you know they're just playing for contract they're like Rizzo he was okay it's whatever right. but it's like a, a guy like Eddie or Rosario like we just we struck gold Graham yeah Pablo Sandoval gave us the best you know in return gave us the best postseason performance by any Braves offensive player ever we we have so much to owe to the Indians right now for, for real this. we don't win this series obviously without Eddie Rosario no no like he single-handedly won us three games yeah I mean game four too yeah, a, yeah, game two, game four, and game game six, six. Every other game, and even the games that he still had hits, he still had hits in those games. But yeah. those are like big multi-hit efforts. Yeah, even in game six, he let off the game with a damn thing. I was like, this guy, like, what can't this guy do? And then of course, hits the game running, game winning home run. And he might not be playing if it weren't for Solaire catching COVID. So yeah, thank you, Solaire, for not getting vaccinated until now. Right, I guess that I guess that maybe worked out. Yeah. But now we get <laughs> now we get Solaire back as well. And Solaire had a good at bat. Um, what what was your thoughts on him going for two on that? That was crazy. I knew he was he's he's faster than he's yeah, I know he's a huge guy, but I was like, go man. We've been aggressive all series. Was, oh my god. And also Kimmer, who's playing left for them, doesn't have the best arm. It wasn't like Mookie Betts. It was uh, I think it was D'Souza. Yeah. D'Souza was also the guy that you I know I think it's just Souza. Alright, is it Souza? I keep wanting to say D'Souza. <laughs> I'm thinking of there's a guy I met Steve D'Souza who was uh, <laughs> he's the co-writer of Die Hard. I met him at a uh, screenwriting thing. Uh, are you thinking, of, thinking of him, Pollock? Oh, I'm thinking of Pollock. Yeah, I don't think Pollock has the best arm. I know Souza doesn't have the best arm if he was out there because he was the guy who like double hopped that throw that Rosario should have been tagged out uh, in game two when he scored. I think the the run off Ozzy's hit where it made it four to three. But I mean any outfield with a competent arm would have gotten him. So, yeah, I wasn't really concerned about Solari. I was like, do it, man. Do it. Screw it. Dude, on the, the base running, though, kudos to Ron Washington for holding Darno. Yes. He would have gotten oh, gunned. Yeah. Which is, it was a good – but, like, in the past – like, you know, Darno was not expecting a stop sign. And even no. me, I was like, our pinch hitters have been atrocious. Like, as soon as – like, once Jock got into the regular um, right. starting lineup, like – our pinch hitters that like freaking Camargo, Arcia, all they do is strike out. Like you and I can literally do Good that. Sand. Yeah. Um, and then Adrianza, who's our best pinch hitter at this point, like he came up big finally. Like, I think that was like Snit making that call. I mean, Anderson was rolling. Like Anderson was looking pretty good. Yeah. Like shout out to Ian. He like I said, just get us to like the fourth or fifth. And yeah. I think he was only going to go one more inning anyway. Yeah. That, that's the kicker. So yeah. he, he makes that call. Might be a little early because you are tax. You're. You're just counting on some guys to give you multiple innings, yeah, uh, which they did. But like, I mean, that that won us the series. That, that that decision that was brilliant. That's exactly what I wanted to. Like once Darno, who let's give kudos here, he's had a kind of a rough postseason offensively. That was a great at bat. Be down one two, and work a walk against Bueller was a, was a fantastic at bat. But I wanted the pinch hitter at that point because I was like, you gotta. Even if there's just a shred of hope, like you said, like you've always been saying for the last two weeks, Adam, a walk in the postseason is, constitutes a rally. Oh, yeah. Girl. If you have even a chance to get Eddie Rosario back up at the plate, who's been your best hitter, you've got to take that chance. And if that means pulling Ian Anderson, you do it. If it doesn't work, screw it. I'm still in favor of it because that is the aggressive, I'm going for the jugular move that great postseason managers make. Snicker made it. 
and it was a brilliant move. I, I, that was the best move he's ever made in his career. Hands down, without that decision, you could lose that baseball game. Well, and it, it's like such a ballsy move, too, because you know if Minter comes in and isn't lights out, then we're, we're sitting here well, oh, maybe, yeah. maybe two or three weeks from now. Uh, when we finally do why a podcast Anderson again. Keep going? Yeah. Why wouldn't you keep Anderson in that Maybe, game? This is a damn playoff. Like, it, you're going to get second guessed, and like that's not the easiest move to no. make. But It was a perfect move. I, I loved it. In especially mo- with Adrianza like, not having any hits in yeah. the postseason. But even still, I was like, you know what? If you got just a chance to get Eddie up to really make a big difference in this game, you've got to do it. Whatever you got to do. I almost wanted Solaire to go up there, but I was also like, you need to save Solaire for a little later. So... But you got to take a chance. He took the chance. It was, a, it was a huge, huge roll of the dice. But it was that's how you win championships with moves like that as a manager. Speaking of aggressive managerial decisions, I was in. I think it was. I mean, it was late in the game. I can't remember exactly what inning it was. It was, but Adam here, you know, Adam with a, a couple of PBRs in him was screaming about putting in Morton to close the game out. <laughs> like, just do it. This is the time. This is our chance. Who cares about tomorrow? <laughs> but that might have uh, backfired. Well, I think with how – when were you screaming that? What inning? It was – I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to, like, think back on it. Like, when would that have made sense? It was like me – like, I think I wasn't expecting Matzik to be able to go that second inning. So I was thinking maybe Morton for the eighth. And then if he looks good, just let him close it out. Because uh, I was like, with Jackson being wasted, like it's like, who the hell else do you go to after, like for the eighth inning? If if Matchett can't go two, oh no, he was going. Are, are you going to try to like get Will Smith to go two innings? No, but like say it doesn't work. Who, who do you who bring cares? in? Then you bring in Will Smith. You go with your best relievers at that point. You gotta you gotta also have a contingency contingency plan for Game Seven. I I think. Snitker outside of putting Jackson in that situation played that whole series beautifully. And the biggest decision of all to go with Adrianza there, I, I oh man, I'm, I just, I cannot believe he did that. Snitker of like two or three years ago wouldn't have done that. And you're right, Ian looked a lot better than in game two. He, he really did. He got unlucky because we were doing the shift. That stupid Bellinger single. Yeah. But I mean, like, I also didn't like that pitch there because it was like, if your infield shifted over like that, don't throw a pitch. That's on the outside corner that he can just hit like that and easily guide to the outfield. But, you know, other than that, I mean, Ian did a really good job, and uh, he should be commended as well. As soon as he got up, because, like, the first inning is always his uh Yes, this issue. is his worst inning. Yeah. So, like, as soon as he got out of that unscathed, I was like, okay, let's go. Yeah, here we, we go. We got, we got a chance here. Um, another play that is not really being mentioned that much was a play by Austin Riley. I think it was in the fifth or the sixth. Um where the ball was hit pretty hard to him and it hit off like hit off like the lip of the grass, I think, or some weird pebble in the like the early or the shallow part of the dirt. Oh yeah. And he, yeah. he like had to kind of dive for it and then get up and throw out uh Trey Turner and Freddie made the pick of his life. Yeah. Just ice water in his veins after that play. Freddie was just looking around being like, Yeah, one out, we're fine. It was like both of them, just so yeah. so cool. Oh man. I mean that's a huge play too. If that ball gets through, you know, that's a rally. And he hit and he yeah. walk is a rally. I mean, our, our defense was definitely a lot better than theirs. Yeah. For the series. Yes, our defense and was better, our pitching was better, and our offense was better. I only, mean, the only thing that was better for them was their damn base running. Let's talk about <laughs> this because this concerns me this for the World problem. Series. Yeah. Um, wow, what a what a great conversation to have, though, Graham. Yeah, right. About- this concerns me for the World <laughs> Series. Travis Darno can't throw out anybody. 
it felt like, especially the game I went to, game two, I think they stole like five bases that game. I think they stole like something like 12 or 13 bases in the whole series, and they were perfect. We didn't have a chance in the hell of throwing them out at all. I don't understand why we didn't ever pitch out. Um, it was like once someone got to first, it was almost like if they're not Albert Pujols, they're stealing second base right now. Um, I don't, I don't know what can be done to mitigate that against Houston. I don't think they have – well, Altuve is very fast. You know, he can definitely steal some bases for you. But Kyle, Kyle Tucker steals Kyle some bases. Kyle Tucker steals some bases. Uh, Correa is not slow either. So it's like, you know, that's a major, major gap right now in um, our defense. And it's really the only one I'm, I'm really concerned about. Um, obviously, I know Rosario isn't the best fielder. Jock's not the best fielder, but in terms of like things that you can control, really control when you have the ball in your in your hand, um, and Darno's getting the ball more than anybody, and other than the pitcher, I guess they're getting the ball the same amount of times. Whatever the hell I'm trying to say. At the end of the day, it's very concerning to have a catcher that can't throw out anybody at second base, and it's certainly affected. And like we've seen Travis throw people out before, so like I, I don't think it's. I don't think his arms that worse. I don't. I don't know what's going on. I mean, it, it's it's with the pitchers as well. Like it certainly affected Freed in yeah. that game as well. Wearing yeah. like you saw him hit that guy out of nowhere. Oh when, God! Yeah, yeah, that was awful. Like it was it was it was crazy. So it was in Freed's head for sure that entire time. And I think I think he, Freed will be fine for game two this uh, this week. But yeah, I think we'll get his shit together. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully Sal Fasano's got something dialed up to like figure this out because we need to start doing some pitch outs we didn't do a single one yeah it's a major concern heading into this uh and into this world series you want to talk about the astros a little bit or you got anything else you want to touch on this series yeah graham let's go ahead and get into this world series talk for the the first time ever on atlanta's own atlanta sports podcast very exciting that's very exciting but you know the Dodgers, they're now home. They're contemplating their future. It's a very murky future now. They've got a lot of free agents coming up. Yeah. So they, they, I mean, I, I feel bad for them, Grandma. I, I really feel really bad for them. They're $264 million payroll. They're eight straight NL West titles. They're World Series. Uh, they're five NL pennants or whatever it was in that, that stretch. It's just tough. And they got to get rid of maybe lose guys like Corey Seager and Kenley Jansen and, God forbid, Albert Pujols. <laughs> And not not to mention the one World Series that they did win was a bit of a fluke because it was the 2020 weird shortened season. So, you know, that's going to be a big asterisk. Well, it's just something that people are going to come back to and say the Dodgers couldn't do it during a full 162-game season. It's just, a, it's just a damn shame of such a proud franchise and such great reporters covering them for the L.A. Times. Guys like Dylan Hernandez, who— don't even realize that Austin Riley's on the team when he previews the NLCS. I mean, it's just, you know, a classy journalist like that who does his research, takes his time, puts out a great story, and and and, and doesn't realize that Austin Riley was an MVP candidate this year. Bill Plaschke hates Waffle House, hates the tomahawk chop, hates the battery, says there's no energy. Yeah, says it was, says a May series. For a place where... Braves fans show up even when they're not playing at the home stadium. Right. And no one cares in Atlanta. Had like what the second best attendance in all of, all of baseball this year. I mean, what what a what a what a crypt. When you go to the to truest, it's, it's a crypt. I mean, what what also what a venerable reporter. Just just a great guy, not arrogant at all, not full of himself. Um, doesn't say outrageous things like, 
The Dodgers are down 2-1. They got the Braves right where they want them. Doesn't say anything like that. <laughs> and I hate to, to, like, not to be sarcastic anymore. Like, how is there no accountability to this at all? Like, he's going to say all those things, write all those articles. And then I didn't see a follow-up saying I was wrong. No, he did Braves say... Were- I, I did. I kept reading his articles just because he kept pissing me off. Well, I couldn't see them because there's a paywall behind the LA Times. So. For some reason, I was able to. I didn't pay for it, but I, I, I kept being able to see some of them, and I did read his his one after the, uh, after the the Braves won. He was, he didn't apologize, but he was like the Braves were the better team at the end of the day. Okay, but then he probably blamed it on the injuries. He did bring that up. I did. Yeah. I did yell at him. I was like, "It's great that you mentioned. You know, the Dodgers went through some injuries. That's fair. However." You didn't say shit about Acuna, about Ozuna, about all the things, Soroka. Um, so, you know, oh, poor you. You know, poor yeah. Dodgers. Yeah. Braves didn't have to go through any adversity. So, so screw the LA Times. Yeah, we don't have to worry about them anymore, Graham. Um, They're so arrogant. Like, mm. my God. The bullpen's a bunch of ham and eggers who are no better than a Waffle House waffle. Like, Is that what he said? And that's what That was this article. I don't know if he uh, wrote it. That was, for me, that one was behind a paywall. So I tried to click on it, but I couldn't get around that one for some reason. And it's just just such arrogance, man. Just 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 report the game. You can have an opinion. Don't be an asshole, though. Well, and they're, they're saying that because strictly, I mean, they're, they're looking at those 88 wins, and they're probably looking at, like, the contracts. It's like, oh, A.J. Mentor, he's only making, like, I don't, know, I don't know what A.J. Mentor makes. Maybe around a million. Yeah, maybe under. Maybe somewhere in there. And uh, he's like, oh, this is this is just a guy. He, right. He, he can't be a weapon. Unless, Tyler Maddox. Um, unless he's making $12 million a year as a reliever. He's not. He's like, he was probably like, watch out for Drew Smiley, though. That guy makes $13 million oh, yeah. a year. Hey, he's a weapon. You know what? Drew Smiley he got, us, moment. he got us through three innings of that huge bullpen game. Dude, I would, at this point. 3.1 innings. Let's if, give him, if we're getting yeah. into the World Series, do you just start Drew Smiley game four at this point? I consider it versus. I mean, I guess it depends on if they're. I don't want to are, throw the, are the Astros lefty heavy at the top of their lineup? They do have some lefties that we can neutralize. So in which case you start, maybe you just do the same thing: go Chavez to Smiley. I would, yeah, or reverse it: do Smiley to Chavez. Whatever. I think Drew Smiley. We have not seen the last of him in a Braves uniform. I think absolutely not. No, and, he, but he shouldn't go more than three innings, um, unless he's like just out of his mind but even still i'd be just weary of you know the entire season is really bad like the second or third time through the lineup especially the third time let's get into the astros let's talk about some of their starting pitchers um so the astros for those that don't know i was in a bubble i was living under a rock when it came to the rest of the baseball playoffs pretty much outside of like the nlds and alds once the cs started i wasn't paying attention at all to the astros red sox series so i had to do a lot of uh digging here Astros win the ALCS against the Red Sox four games to two. Their pitching staff sucked those first couple games down. They gave up grand slams. They were awful. But they hunkered down. They were down 2-1, came back, and just kicked the Red Sox ass all over the place. So much of that, Adam, is due to the arm of Framber Valdez, who pretty much won the last game from them from a pitching standpoint. Um, he had a great season. He uh, had a 3-1-4 ERA. Struck out 125, had a solid whip at 1.25. He had 2.5 war. Um, does a great job of keeping the ball in the park. Only gave up 12 homers all year. Fantastic overall in terms of his ERA for the entire season. Outside of July, his ERA did not exceed 3.28 in a given month. Um, and I will say the first two postseason starts, he really, really struggled. Only four innings against Chicago 
and he gave up four runs and seven hits. Against Boston, didn't get much better. Only went 2.2 innings, six hits, two earned runs. Um, he starts for both at home. However, on the road is where he really shined all year. Um, he went the deepest any starter has gone in the playoffs this year. Uh, in his second start against Boston, goes 8.1 innings. Only gave up three hits and one run, one walk while striking out five. Uh, the good news, if you're looking at the track record, is that he's pitching um, at home where he has been battered during these playoffs and had a worse ERA uh, at home than he did during the year. So for guys like Adam Duvall, Ozzie Alves, Austin Riley, Jorge Soler, guys that mash against left-handed pitchers, that's a good sign. And, of course, Eddie Rosario hits everybody. So, <laughs> um, so that's going to be your game one starter, Adam. A guy who's had you know a shaky early start of the postseason but really got his shit together for uh for that that game five that he pitched against the uh against the red sox well this is certainly a situation where i think i don't think you can argue the fact that the braves have the stronger rotation than the astros yeah on paper i would agree with that i think especially with their really their number one starter was lance mccullers who is out for the playoffs he is out so but like overall um and i'm not going to pretend to know a lot about the astros you know they play in the al that's Normally a league we don't have to worry yeah. about. But still, I mean, he had a good year. He's a good pitcher. Um, 97 fastball. He's got over like a four ERA in the playoffs, something like that. Yeah, but his last start, he like I said, he went deeper than anybody for a for a postseason where it's all been, yeah. been about the whole against the Against the Red Sox, who they are were good, raking. Yeah, they so. were raking. Man, I really I really wanted like a Red Sox-Braves World Series. That'd be exciting. How cool would that be? Yeah, where, where the franchise started. Two historic franchises. Instead, we get these cheaters, the Houston Astros, so you know, like the rest of the world outside of Houston, yeah, it's gonna be cheering for the Atlanta Braves, yeah, which doesn't affect the series, but it, it's kind of kind of a cool thing to note. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that game one, we got Charlie Morton on the bump. Yeah, you feel like you got the advantage pitching wise. We do, but I hate that ballpark so much. It's it's a devastating ballpark. I think I really feel good about Adam Duvall going into that ballpark. Because, you know, he crushes left-handers. That little short box, that 310-foot like, little box in left field so is right stupid. there. And you could see him doing some work in this series um, against against uh, Valdez. See, that, that's the thing about us. Like, Ros- yes, Rosario played out of his mind, but we don't need to rely on that. We have three good bats in this lineup who really haven't done shit in the playoffs. In Duvall, in Dansby... And Darno, yeah, those guys could get going. Like, who's to say those guys? And Ozzy hasn't really done much either. No, but Ozzy's gotten on base. He's had a couple of big hits. But he he hasn't had like we know Ozzy. He can go four for five. Oh yeah, day, you know, and he's this, got that in him. This could be a big moment for him too. You know how he likes to mash against left-handers. Um, so I would like to uh, certainly see him do something against Valdez in that first uh, first game. Luis Garcia is their second pitcher. If he pitches in game two, he will be going on, um, I think, four days rest. So he's got a 3-3-0 ERA for the year. He struck out 167, 1.17 whip, 2.6 war. Really good pitcher. Um, but like his counterpart, um, like Valdez, he really struggled in his first two um, first two appearances. A 9-6-4 ERA. Gave up five against Boston. Gave up five against Chicago. He gave up a home run in each start. Um, but really threw well in his third start. 5.2 innings, walked only one, gave up one hit, struck out seven. Pitches really well at home, a 2.39 ERA, 
but on the road he's a 4.24 ERA. Um, left-handers, he, he does give up more home runs than Val does. He's given 19 home runs on the year, 13 home runs against left-handers. Uh, lefties also hit 279 against him with a 340 on base percentage and a 474 slugging. This bodes well for Eddie, Freddie, um, in particular. So I'm looking for those guys to do some damage against uh, Mr. Garcia. And, and he'll match up against Freed yes. in that game, too, which the only, the only problem about Freed pitching game, too, is we, we lose his bat, Graham. We do we do lose his bat. What, what do you think about pitching Ian Anderson in game no. two and then Freed in game three, no. so then Freed lines up for potential game seven? No. You, no? No, you look at <laughs> you look at the um, – that is concerning, I guess, if you go to game seven, then Ian Anderson's starting. Hey, it'd be a second career game seven. That's true. Um, but he pitches much better at home. I'd rather get him at home, and hopefully he can have an outing similar to the one he just had against the Dodgers, um, and maybe go a little deeper. Um, that, that, that's, game three, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the Houston's starters, we 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 look better than them. Yeah, these guys are still good. I don't think we should. They're good. Them. No, they're all. Look, they're in the World Series. Yeah, these are two good ball clubs, and, uh, and they showed up. Their last two, those guys' last two starts, they really showed up. So, our our bullpen, believe it or not, actually lines up a little better than theirs right now. Um, you know, I know Kendall Graveman; he's a really good player. Ryan Presley is allegedly the best reliever in yeah, he's really good in all of these playoffs currently. Um, but it com- it comes down to the offense, and Houston's offense is that's an issue. Greg. Yeah, on paper, I'd say they're probably better than us they're healthier um they have 330 home run hitters now Tuve, alvarez and tucker they slugged 444 as a team and a 339 on base percentage as a team um and it's jordan alvarez who's like the only man on the planet hotter than rosario right? yeah alvarez has been amazing hit 441 in the postseason um kyle tucker's hit four home runs um in the postseason brantley's hitting 311 Yuli Gurriel is hitting 333. Correa's hitting 297. Bregman's hitting 280. He was injured most of the year, but he's come alive. Their lineup's deeper than ours, up and down their order. This will be the best lineup we've faced in these playoffs. Here's where I like our advantage being a National League team, though. For a lot of National League teams, they go in an American League ballpark, and they don't necessarily have a pure designated hitter. Whereas us, on the other hand, We've got four outfielders that we're trying to get time for currently. So Solaire can step in and be a pure DH. You yes, know? You know, like which is great. He used to be the DH for the Royals. Which is great. Um, so that that's awesome. And then they come to our ballpark, and they're losing a bat, whereas we're running out a lineup that we're used to. Mm-hmm. So that that is an advantage for the a National League club if you have a big bop and bat on the bench like Solaire. Yeah, and the good news is also you know Alvarez is their DH. She's their best hitter. He is their, he's been their DH all year. He's a liability in left field, which is where he would play. And I can't imagine they would want to take his uh, bat out of the lineup. Yeah. So that could also play a factor in the series. So those are little things that people overlook that could, you know, certainly play a big factor in the World Series here. And we'll also get the advantage of, like, with those first two games being in Houston, then we'll really be able to sort out our lineup for who gets the start. First, is it going to be Jock? Is it going to be Solaire? Do you take out? You really can't take. You can't Duvall take out. Eddie Rosario out. Oh, obviously not. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're saying Duvall? Yeah, Duvall. Okay. Yeah, no. obviously I didn't His, mention Rosario. Sorry, I was anticipating it because I know you, you, you and Adam Duvall have a big time love affair going back three years now. We, we do, but I, I like you know the play he made in Game Four in yeah. center field. Like, His, 
And Jock can play center. I'll, I'll give it that. So maybe it depends on if it's a lefty or righty pitching. Yeah, his defense game. his defense is too valuable to take him out, regardless of how well he's hitting. Um, so if Jock's on fire in Houston, maybe he gets the start, and uh, Solaire yes. comes off the bench. If Solaire's on fire, he gets the start. We'll yes, see. I think that's the route to take. I think you sort of do the wait-and-see approach. The good news is, like you said, we don't have to make the decision now. Solaire can slide on the DH. You see who's doing better, and then you make the decision from there. It was great to see him come back and get that hit. I know we already talked about it, but like that is that is huge. That just makes us so much deeper. And I'm excited to see. I'd imagine it'll come out tomorrow morning at some point. If there are any, there's. I think there's going to be some adjustments. I do not think Johan Camargo makes this roster again. No, no, he's like bring back Gore. I don't care. Like. I wouldn't mind bringing back Gore for solely for the purposes of pinch running. Well, you're not going to need. You're not going to need to pinch hit as much. No. Playing in an AL park for four to the seven games. So. Yeah. And the good news is, is regardless of it's Solaire or Peterson on the bench, you have a guy that you can turn to in a big moment if you need it to get you a big pinch hit hit, um, which is something that is highly valuable, as we've seen in the playoffs, how huge Jock was, you know, in that Milwaukee uh, series, you know, doing what he did off the bench. And maybe Adrian's is back as a big bench piece as well. Adrian's is definitely a guy that should be retained. I mean, even though you know he only, only got one hit, that was a huge hit, and you know what he brings. And you got to keep Heredia just for the, the the potential defensive replacements and just the camaraderie he brings to the uh, to the squad. So it will be interesting to see. This. I, I don't know when the roster. I imagine the roster will get announced tomorrow morning. Um, That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Or or later tonight. But man, it's going to be some tight baseball. I am I am concerned about how good the Astros are are offensively. But as we've seen in the playoffs, good pitching can neutralize good hitting and we have some good pitchers. I feel really confident about Mentor. And another thing too is that, you know, they have these these left-handed sluggers like Correa and Tucker and Alvarez, and it'll be really important that we get to Mentor, that we get to Matzik, we get to Will Smith and let them neutralize those guys because those guys have been huge absolutely huge for them in these playoffs so particularly Alvarez so I think it's really going to come down to can we get keep getting these this clutch hitting Eddie Rosario is probably not going to hit 560 anymore but can we keep getting clutch hitting that's you know consistent enough that can just do enough damage to win some games and can we neutralize the Astros in enough games to win if we can find a way to quiet their bats I think we have a much better pitching staff than Boston then we have a really good shot. I'm just very, very nervous about how good that damn offense is. I mean, I go back to game five of the Dodgers series where it was just a blowout pretty much from the fourth inning on, and we didn't waste any more of those bullpen arms. So I think, like, that was huge for game six with Minter and Matzik both being able to go two innings. Yeah. And then us winning game six versus having to, like, slug it out for another game seven and only get one day off. Like, that mm-hmm. That brings both of these – teams into this well rested so there's no no advantage there we didn't waste morton we got morton ready for game one um it's massive yeah it's massive here's a question for you if luke jackson struggles in game one say he comes in doesn't do well again what's your plan for him the rest of the series i'd say they go somewhere else but i don't know where else you go Mm. that's that's why i'm excited to see does mentor get graduated into that oh i I think i think it the problem is they're all lefties. But at this point, they're all throwing so well, that almost doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think Jackson is maybe certainly your – he's not an eighth inning guy anymore. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Maybe he's more of a sixth inning guy. Yeah. 
Saturday I wouldn't mind was. using him a little early on, just even though I know that maybe gets him out of his routine a little bit, just to say, you know, maybe come into a situation where it's not as insane, where it doesn't all rely on you. Um, I don't know. Here's the thing, though. With Snit, it, com- it comes back to, for the last, like, three months of the season, everyone's screaming about pulling Will Smith. And he never did, and that has proved to be the correct situation. Right, like but he, he had, like, a month and a half to – or two months to really get but, his stuff together. But if he pulls him, say he pulls Will Smith, and then he doesn't work, like that shows he doesn't have confidence in him. Say whoever, it was, like it was going to be Rodriguez at the time. Rodriguez doesn't work out. You can't just put Smith back in the closer role being no. like, oh, I obviously didn't believe in you, but, you know, now I have to. Yeah, but now. It's, it's like, so, I mean, it's, it's you different. You don't have time. It's different. This is the World Series. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, obviously if Luke clearly doesn't have it, you just got to try something else. Yeah. But I don't know what that is. That's why I look forward to seeing this roster. Do they – I mean, Martin actually looked good for a couple times, but then he would just throw the worst pitch in the world. I don't right? trust Martin at so all. So is Martin even on this roster? Do you go back to – do you try Rodriguez again? Do you try Tukey? We need some – we need, we some need somebody. We need yeah. some right-handed arms. Do you go back to Spencer Strider? Who knows? I don't know, man. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a scary proposition. I'd like to have more than three reliable bullpen arms, so that's like, we, we need Luke Jackson. Yeah, yeah, I think you're exactly right. And then um, I think the other big question for this series is, who do you think can be an offensive hero other than Eddie Rosario? Eddie was consistent throughout the whole series. We got you know great moments from Austin Riley at home. We had great moments from Freddie Freeman offensively on the road. But... I feel like we need someone else to be that consistent kind of guy to deliver. Not to say Eddie can't do it again. I mean, he's on a roll. He might, you know, win the World Series MVP and just kill everybody, which would be amazing. But who else can also step up and do something that we're maybe not expecting? And it kind of goes back to what I was saying. Like, there, there is, I think, either Duvall, Darno, or Dansby is going to have their moment, and Ozzy's going to have their moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I really feel like... Dansby's going to do something. I just got a feeling in my gut. Well, We've he's always, seen playoff He's Dansby. always been that clutch player, and yeah. like it hasn't fully happened yet. His defense has been awesome. He's gotten a few hits over the playoffs, but no, nothing big yet. But, yeah, I could see uh, with that short porch and left, a couple Dansby oh. bombs. Yeah, lest we not forget, he hit 28 home runs during the season. Yeah. Yeah, Dansby could be the guy. I, I don't know, man. That's that's the great thing about this team is it, it doesn't have to be the same guy. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It could be Freddie just being full on MVP. Yeah, and you know Freddie had a big series. Freddie did a really, you know, I know he sucked those first two games, but you know, he was a huge reason why we won the series to, to take that one game in, in LA. Played stalwart defense at at first, got on base a bunch. He walked four times in that last game. I mean, goes from striking out four times to walking yeah. four times. And don't forget, like it does seem like whoever we plug into that leadoff role for the most part, whether it be you know, it started with Acuna this year, and then Soler had a good run there. Jock did, too, when he came over initially. Jock did. And you know why these guys have good runs in the leadoff role? It's Freddie Freeman sitting behind him. They got the big guy behind him. So, like, if Freddie like if Freddie had kept struggling, maybe they pitch around Rosario. Oh, yeah. But, like, Fred, Freddie got it going. So, the, whoever is in that leadoff spot, which will be Rosario again, yeah. uh, he's going to get pitches hit. But, like, you know, obviously Rosario deserves all the credit, but – Having Freddie behind him is huge as well. Yeah, for sure. The Astros also have Zach Grinky on their team, who's not the Zach Grinky that we're accustomed to. He's a potential starter for game four, but he's probably only going to throw 
two or three innings yeah, at the most. That, he, he's kind of like a better version of Drew Smiley. You can still kind of throw hard, but he he's certainly lost what what he had either by age or something else. Um, not too too concerned about him. It's all about the neutralization of this damn hot as hell Astros offense, and they've been good all season. Um, big step up from the Brewers, and I'd say they're even a better offense than LA. I mean, th- this is this is going to be a hell of a series. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, so so being on the road again, our our goal. Correct me if I'm wrong, Graham. Is let's win one of the first two. No, and then um, take care of business at home. Hopefully, win two out of three, and then take one more on the road, and we'll yep. have, we'll have Morton and Freed ready to go. Yeah, I mean having Morton and Freed pitching four out of these seven games, one of them is going to have a huge game. Like we're we're going to get an eight inning performance out of one. of them. Yeah, and that's the thing we haven't seen Max pitch decently in game one. Like, he went six innings, only got, what, two runs? But he didn't have his best stuff. We obviously know what happened in game uh, five. He was awful. Charlie struggled like hell in game three. But he gutted he through He gutted through gutted it. through five. But the point I'm making is is that, um, you know, in this LCS, those guys did not pitch as well as we know they're capable of. They both pitched very well against the Brewers. Very well um, overall. So, if we just, yeah, they need to come back. They need to be locked in and kick ass. All right, let's let's wrap this Braves World Series segment up, Graham. Yeah. Are we doing predictions? We can do predictions. Do you have a prediction? I've been wrong every time. So, so you, you thought we were going to lose to the Brewers. I thought it was going to be cl- – like I've said, I thought every series was going to be close. I just didn't think we'd, we'd do it. And so just to keep it going, because I know there's a lot of superstitious people out there, I will say – that will lose in like seven games. That'll be my prediction. But I could easily see us winning because I feel like we have this team of destiny shit going on. We have a really good bullpen, and I think we have better starting pitching. It's just the starting pitching will be the difference in this series. And the only reason that I really have caused a pause is that L- the LCS just wasn't good enough from Max and Morton. They have to be better. If they're better, we will win. If they, if they aren't, we won't. Here's where I'm at. And I'm over superstitious stuff, Graham. Okay. So I'm making a prediction today. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'll, I'll make a real prediction, too, if uh, yeah. if we're getting all that. Yeah, so please. Here's what I'm thinking. The Astros so far have faced a White Sox team that's a, like a first-time playoff team. They weren't ready for the big stage. They faced a wild-card Red Sox team that just snuck in there and didn't have the starting pitching to compete. We're the best team by far that they've seen. We're hot. We've got the starting pitching. We've got some dominant arms at the end of this bullpen in a deep lineup, one through nine now. Braves in six. Let's go. Oh, oh yeah. I like it. Yeah. That's like where it. I'm at, Graham. All right. What's your real prediction? My real real prediction, it all like I just don't know how the pitching's gonna go. That's the thing that, that scares me. I feel like I have a pretty good idea about everything else. It's just can Morton and Freed do it. I believe they can. So let's say I believe they can. I think the Braves win in seven games. Mm. I think it's a game seven all-timer classic with Will Smith deciding the fate of Atlanta. Um, we haven't even talked about how good he's been. He's been shut down. He's been shut down. I have, like when he came into the game, I had full confidence in him. The Dodgers' spirits were broken at that point. Yeah, yeah. I think we can do it. I, I really think we can. It's just, it's going to be, this will be the toughest series though. If you thought that Dodgers' series was tough, you haven't seen nothing yet. 
Watching, I mean, being a fan of playoff baseball is stressful, man. Oh, it's great. Isn't it so weird? Like, I'm normally used to being like, oh, I guess it's the Cardinals versus, I don't know, Boston in the World Series. Great. I guess I'll watch like an inning and then get depressed and turn it off. I'm at the point where, like, I've made all these plans. Not not that I know I would have made different plans knowing the World Series was going on, but, like, I'm going camping this weekend. Right. Uh, Fortunately, it's car camping, so I've got a adapter. Ooh. And I'm taking a, D, a TV and a digital antenna, so I should be covered. Be careful on that digital antenna. I think because how are you going to get reception out there? Where are you going to be? People watch. I mean, it's it's not that far. It's in South Carolina. It's not. Like oh, it's the place we went last year. Yeah, yeah. You can do that. May want to bring a uh, your fire stick just as a backup. There's not going to be internet. make a personal hotspot. Oh, personal Sacrifice hotspot. your data. <laughs> you know, John's got unlimited data. He'll gladly give it up. Okay, well that, that's that's. I'll, I'll bring keep, your fire stick. Don't be a hero. I'll keep that in my back pocket. But I, I believe. Hopefully, digital antenna will get it done. Yeah, because um, we were. I, I, I'm not missing game. Th- like wow. I understand, I'm supposed to be like appreciating the wilderness. I'll appreciate the wilderness, the wilderness during the day. We appreciate the wilderness all the time. Yeah, we go on these camping trips every year, multiple trips a year. Who knows when we'll ever go to the World Series again? I'm gonna wreck the whole scene with this World Series game. But oh yeah, I, I think other people will want to watch the World Series. Oh yeah, as no well. doubt. I mean, I would be if I was going. Every, everyone's into this game. Yeah, um, I'm going to see my uncle this weekend for his birthday. In Charlotte, and he better, uh, you know, he's brace. He likes to brace, so we'll have the game. It on. won't be a problem. Yeah, it'll be yeah. a nice, comfortable uh, living room to watch watch uh, game whatever okay. it is, game three. So I guess four, Graham. That means we, you and I, need to watch games one and two together. For sure. sure right? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So tomorrow week around that. Yes, uh, for sure, for sure. And oh, I will. Last thing I want to say about this. So I went. We went to the NLDS. Alexa and I went to the NLCS. I was like, I really want to go to the World Series. I was very lucky as a kid. My parents were able to take me to 95 World Series, 96 World Series, and 99 World Series. You know, I, I, I remember a decent amount of it, especially 96 and 99. I, I will treasure those memories forever. I'm forever grateful for my parents. I was like, I would love to you know, be able to go to the World Series again. I, tra- I was talking to my mom. I was like, you want to come down? We'll try to go. You know, It'll be cool. And then we can go to Charlotte the next day for Uncle Dave's birthday. And she's like, that sounds insane, but... Fuck it, look at ticket prices. So I was like, all right. Look at ticket prices. It's $550 a piece without ticket fees to sit in the upper deck. And that's just insane. Yeah, like I honestly thought you could get in for like two, two fifty, something like that. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be two fifty most for upper deck. I'd be like, fuck it, let's do it. But five yeah. fifty? I wanna spend fifteen hundred dollars or whatever. For for the sit in the upper deck, I, I just don't think so. I'm sorry, I can't do it. I love the Braves, but I can't do it. It's our it's already a pressure packed situation, just like you know, with your team in it and like going to a game and the possibility of them losing while you're at the game. But then to throw on the fact that you're fifteen hundred dollars in the hole on that game, and then what what if what if you get a uh, game five against the Cardinals situation? Oh yeah, and you're down, gives up ten. Yeah, and then you're like, I paid. A, Fifteen hundred dollars for this that's to sit how, in the upper deck. That's how riots get started. Yeah, that's gonna be. Like, it'll be very. It'll be very upset. I, I don't know, and I don't know how the Braves have become the most expensive ticket. Maybe it's because we haven't been since nineteen ninety nine. But like, you look at like any like Houston, you could get in for like three hundred bucks, something yeah. like that. Like, what the hell? How did we become the most expensive ticket in the land? Yeah, it's not like New York City or something. Like LA, LA tickets to that NLCS were cheaper. I mean, maybe it's because we have fewer seats. Maybe it's just crazy. Like I have, I still have physical tickets of '96 World Series, and that was sitting in, in like the upper deck ish on like the third base side. It's like eighty five dollars. 
to go to the world now it's 550 i know it's like 26 years or whatever but jesus yeah. god yeah that's just madness crazy right? inflation be damned so we will not be attending a world we will series not be game, going to the world series sadly yeah i'm sure you could pull audio of us like years ago saying i'll pay whatever to go to world series right. but when it comes down to brass tax it's like nah i won't pay i won't pay whatever it's just a principal thing like could you afford it yeah would it suck financially yeah could you go yeah but is it it's just it's it's obscene. It's you obscene to, to charge people that much to go to a freaking baseball game. You have to make these financial decisions in your life, Graham. It's like right now, I need to buy a new bed, right? Because we had bed bugs. Yeah. So it's like that money should probably go towards the bed. Yeah, I might need to get a new car in the new year. Yeah, I could have spent some of that money getting a car. <laughs> and, and, and it's, World well, I, I think it also has to do with like the whole process of getting up to the battery and. It's such a pain in the ass. Can I tell you a little bit about, I don't know if anyone wants to hear this, but I'll just keep this short. It's such a pain in the ass to go to a game at the Battery when you live actually in Atlanta. Like, the drive up there isn't easy. I'm going to call out City of Atlanta on this bullshit. I didn't tell you about this. We're driving up there. They decided to do construction, road construction on 75 during the playoffs. Mm. So we're stuck. I can't get over it. I somehow am able to maneuver over five lanes of traffic to get into that HOV exit lane and get around it. It was beautiful. But I was stuck. That and sounds like a, a GDOT complaint, not City of Atlanta. Well, whoever did it can can kindly go screw themselves. <laughs> that, was, that was like in downtown trying to get up? Yeah, yeah. It was awful. And so it was a little past downtown. And then, you know, you get up there. We, had to, we parked at a very far away lot because it was cheaper. And so we walk for like a mile and a half to get to the game. Finally get to, uh, we saw our old friend that we met at the NLDS, uh, the guy at the uh, the bar. Oh, uh, the bouncer guy? Not the bouncer guy, but the bartender who was so friendly. At the NLDS? Yeah, I remember. Oh, uh, the same guy. Yeah. Oh, at the window. Yeah, At the yeah. window. Yeah. So yeah. we met him, got a drink. And I was like, you guys have food here? And they're like, no, but you can bring food back. So trying to get food at the battery is a pain in the ass. We finally go to Super Pan. That takes like 35 minutes to get food there. Then I have to eat. We have to scarf it all down and then get into the stadium. It's just, it's a highly, going to a playoff game or any game at the Battery. I mean, I love the Battery. I love Truist Park. It's a great play. But it's just, it is it is a drain on you. It's that, it, you got to invest seven or eight hours of your time to, to make it really work. And like hundreds of dollars. Yes. Not to mention that. Yeah. I probably spent 500 something dollars when you count on the food, the drinks, the tickets. That, that is parking. The, the pro tip, though, if you're trying to get a quick drink uh, either after or before the game, don't go in any of the bars like right next to the stadium. No. The piano bar. Park bench. Park bench is yeah, what it's called. Yeah, park bench. Go there. We, we went there uh, after that Milwaukee game, and it was awesome. I overheard an, a guy next to me walking up there, and he's like, man, I'm just trying to get like some beers to go. He's like, okay. He's like, it's, it's kind of like a lot. He's like, how many? He's like six, <laughs> like he's like gauging whether or not that's acceptable. Yeah. The guy's like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, no, this this guy, I can't remember his name. I wish I had his name, but he's he's this uh, white guy, kind of somewhat shaven, not really short brown hair, about six two or something, probably your height. He, he kind of looks like that guy from uh, Mad TV. Yeah, that did Stewart. Yeah, he does look like Stewart a little bit. Yeah, without the bangs. Yeah, uh, yeah, looks like Stewart and. Um, you did a great job. He'll make you a mixed drink and as much time as it takes to pour a beer, and it was really good. Uh, we went there for the NLCS stuff. We went, Adam and I went there for the NLDS. It was uh, Park Bench is the place to go. No food, but you can bring your food in. It's great. That's pretty good. Pretty good, Graham. Yeah. 
All right, I think that wraps up the Braves. So, so we're in the World Series. Is what you're we're saying, in the right? World Series because I had a hard time wrapping my head around us being the NLCS. Yeah. Now you don't have to even say anything. I both posted when I posted the episode on Friday. I wrote. Braves are up 3-2 in the NLDS. Yeah. And then I thought it was just like a one-time mistake, and then I did the exact same thing on the Twitter post as well. Mm-hmm. I was like, clearly, I just, you know, this is just all weird territory too, for me. Too many letters. Yeah. Yeah, we're not used to going to the NLCS. No. It only became a new uh, a thing again like last year. All right, well, let's get it, Graham. Go Braves. Go, go Braves. Braves. Let's go, guys. And uh, we'll be talking about the uh, – we'll be talking next week about it, whatever whatever's happened. So – Fingers crossed. Godspeed, you precious Atlanta Braves. Unless we lose in brutal fashion, then we'll probably take a week off. Probably. All right, Adam. Shall we discuss the Atlanta Falcons? We shall, Graham. But first, I believe we need a quick uh, break for an ad. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you in turn win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, baby. It's that simple. So if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, there's still a ton of stuff to do on DraftKings. Um, And everyone can play for huge cash prizes. They have every sport you can possibly think of, even things that you might not consider a sport. They have, such as esports, MMA, golf, basketball, baseball, NFL, um, college football, college basketball is coming up soon. Um, like I said, pretty much any sport you can think of. If you think you know anything about that and like to win some money, DraftKings gives you the opportunity to do that. It's a lot of fun. I played DraftKings for like seven or eight years. Always have a good time there. Um, and it's a fun way to really invest in your passion for sports if you think you can make some money off it. All right, in order to get this deal, you need to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and you could win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win, baby, with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Question mark? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Adam, let's turn our attention to the forgotten team in Atlanta sports. So much attention has been lavished upon the Braves for obvious reasons and the Hawks for their emergence as potential NBA contenders that most people kind of forget that the Falcons exist right now. But very quietly, they've done exactly what we asked for. After a very rough start to the season, they've made steady progress. Everything's getting better week by week, it would seem. And they're 3-3 three and three after beating the, the Dolphins 30-28 to 28 on Sunday in Miami. Yeah, won three out of four games, Graham. We're, it's, we're sitting here on October 25th, and we still have a reason to watch our football team. It's great. It's just a, that's like some nice icing on the cake for sure. Um, if you like icing, I don't. So maybe I need a better metaphor. But for those that really like icing, some nice icing on the cake. If you're an Atlanta sports fan, let's get into this game. Uh, the Falcons pretty much dominated it from start to finish. The the Dolphins got 
got were hot at the beginning. They kind of just marched up the field and scored on us. Oh, it was it was a classic like making Tua look like the best quarterback yeah. in the league. Coverage was bad, no pressure. He he was killing us. Um, it was really rough, and the Falcons couldn't answer. I mean, first quarter ends seven nothing. You're kind of just like, mm, nothing's really going on here. And the Falcons explode for 13 points in the second quarter. Uh, you had big contributions from guys like Kyle Pitts, who just made catch after catch after catch. His best game coming off his other, you know, the game where he first emerged in the London game uh, against the Jets. You know, he comes back here with a seven-catch, 163-yard game, averaged 23 yards a catch, had two huge catches in the last drive to seal the victory. We'll get to that a little later. Um, but you just saw it once again. Uh, Corderell Patterson is the guy on the ground. Um, you know, he, he did a nice job in the in the second quarter. I think he had five rushes for 31 yards in the second quarter, uh, which is total about half his rushing production. But we were getting contributions from guys like Hayden Hurst. I know there's only three catches for 35, but we were using him in motion a little bit. Kyle Pitts was lining up wide a lot. I mean, he was manhandling these Miami uh, cornerbacks and safeties. I mean, it was it was a beautiful thing to watch. Matt looked good back there. Matt had a good game, 25 of 40 for 336. He did have an egregious, absolutely egregious fumble that we'll talk about near the end of the game. But it was a very balanced attack, Adam. Once again, we had like nine Falcons getting receptions. Um, Calvin really returned with a touchdown, didn't have a big game at four catches for 26. Um, the offense just moved the ball really well. They didn't really move it as well as you would like them to on the ground. Mike Davis was once again kind of just forgotten about, only got four carries. But I really liked what I'm seeing from this this offense. Now that Kyle Pitts is really being unleashed. I don't know if that's just a thing where it's, uh, you know, it's taking some time to get acclimated or what, but really like what I'm seeing. Yeah, he he got a lot of man coverage in this game, which I know he was surprised on on that, the last drive of the game where they went man on him. And he was like, okay, let's, let's go. Like, yeah. Like, like the whole crowd could see, oh, this guy's been crushing us the entire game. Like eight targets, seven catches, 163 yards. Like, come on, this guy is he is showing the reason why we drafted him at number four. And like it's looking like a pretty damn good move at this point, Graham. Like he is everything that he was advertised to be. And we all know that he had a slow couple weeks, but like, you know. Matt Ryan had a slow couple weeks getting acclimated to the offense and everything. So like the offensive line had a slow couple weeks. Yeah. It, that, that is long in the past. And like, he, he's looking like a true weapon and this offense was helped a lot by getting Russell Gage back. He had that big 49 yard bomb that he almost dropped. It hit him right off the fricking yeah. helmet. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, it, I guess kill the narrative that Matt Ryan can't throw the long ball. Yeah. It was a nice throw. I mean, like, it was a little behind him, but not terribly. I mean, it was like right with him. He just had to like reach up and, make sure it was going to hit him in the face. But we're, we're seeing them aired out a lot more now. He had that 49-yarder to Gage. He had the 39-yarder to Pitts. And, um, you know, really Calvin Ridley's the the thing that really hasn't gotten going yet. It was good this. to see him utilize in the red zone and him contribute. He um, got the touchdown, but 10 targets, four catches. Like, he... He also he, got a ball ripped from his hands, which, kind of, which was an interception. He's taken big hits over the middle and not... I mean, you'd like your number one receiver to hang on to those. I understand he just got walloped but that seems yeah. to happen a lot yeah and that interception was just so frustrating to watch it was like it's in your hands man you can't you can't get that taken away from you like that especially when the ball is rolling around on your side and you don't have possession of it and you're just sort of sitting there i mean that's just a lack of awareness it's easy for me to say sitting here and uh you know an all red atlanta hawks get up but 
I'm, I'm not impressed by what Calvin's done so far this year. It came out that he took the London game off for mental health. There were some controversial opinions on that, um, and that's sort of been the thing, a lot of controversy surrounding people, athletes, who are kind of taking mental health breaks ever since Simone Biles had that in the Olympics this summer. I don't really have too big of an issue with that. I think, you know, here's the thing. If you're not right and you're not going to contribute, then don't play. Well, and he doesn't look right. No, he doesn't. I guess he was he felt a little more right than he did going to the London game, but he hasn't looked right all season. Um, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a little – yeah, you, you can't feel too confident with Calvin. Even though it was nice they got the touchdown. He doesn't look like that explosive player, though, um, that we've grown accustomed to over the years. And I, I still – I'm not worried about him too much. Like, I still think it'll come. Yeah. And it's nice that we do have Pitts doing what he's doing. Like, I mean, he's just he's – the, he's the man at the end of the oh, game, yeah. too. That like, one-handed catch was sick. just unreal. They're sick. How and do like, you do that? And some – like, the tight coverage that – Matt Ryan was going to him in like it's Matt's throwing great balls. He as looks well. so much better than he ever did last year. And yeah, like you mentioned, they're airing the ball out and Pitts had the two big receptions to close the game. I mean, that's just showing an immediate connection that these guys have and um, they're, they're building off it and it's culminating in victories. And you got to give a lot of credit to Arthur Smith for just learning from his mistakes early in the season. Like yeah, he, he called himself out in the Washington game. Yeah. And it has not happened That's since two then. games in a row where, yeah. like, we have a chance to win a game and he's being aggressive with it. Yeah. And those two deep passes to Pitts. Uh, also, like, a little underrated at the end of the second quarter, we got the ball back with maybe what, like, I think it was less than a minute left and a couple deep passes to Pitts and we kick a field goal to close out the second quarter like that it's like little plays like that there's like oh that's that's kind of nice to get those three points but then you see it, it's a two-point game like how, how crucial is that oh yeah and i feel like that's something in the past where maybe you just like kneel it to like make sure you don't throw an interception right. or whatever and it's just like you you have to like what you're seeing from arthur smith and they kept talking about it on fox the other day just how like they they were saying how this atlanta falcons team just looks so much more polished under like the first what six seven games of the Arthur Smith era than the Dolphins look in their like third season of their new coach. Right, you kept expecting them to take off, um, and it just hasn't happened. I remember when they made the the postseason. I don't think it was last year, but the year before. You thought, okay, the Dolphins are going to be a really good team, and I think they Dolphins to, are back. Yeah, Dolphins are back, and they've just completely one eighty. Um, really, also like just seeing. You know, Pitts do work against guys like Xavier Howard, who's a very good cornerback. I think he's um, the top paid corner in the league. Yeah, um, so. I've, you know, extremely, extremely impressed by his his effort the last couple of weeks. I'm sure his effort's been there the rest of the time, but now he looks so comfortable and so confident. And the, those are the two C's that you just want to see in a in a wide receiver, or I guess in this case, the hybrid unicorn, wide receiver tight end. Um, one one point of concern. I want to talk about defense and special teams in a minute, but we cannot get a really consistent running game going. Like Cordell Patterson still had some nice runs. You know, he uh, still finished as the top rusher with 14 carries, 60 yards, four, averaging a little over four yards a carry. Found his way into the end zone again. But Mike Davis, man, nothing. Four carries for 10 yards. We, we, we cannot get the uh, the running game going at all. And I was really I was really hoping we were going to be able to do that. Because um, even though the offense is doing better, that's pretty much all just Matt Ryan and Cordell Patterson being able to find some holes. The pass blocking is getting better, but the run blocking – I don't know if it's just the run blocking and the talent or if it's the run blocking is not very good or what it, what it is, but we do not have a good running game. And when we start playing better teams again, it's really going like 
we're going to be in trouble, I think, because we're a very one-dimensional offense right now. Even though the offense is doing a great job of stretching the field, diversifying what the routes are, you can only pass the ball so many times and be effective. Yeah, I mean, we're back to what we've always said we don't want to see is Matt Ryan having 40 attempts passing. And he's playing great, but sure. yeah, Mike Davis with only four carries is just very surprising. Like, well, Remember that game, the Giants game we watched at your house? Um, it was like there was a drive in the I mean, third quarter. The second happiest moment of my year? Yes, the second happiest yeah. moment when we beat the Giants. So the but... game six win takes that now, but Youngway, coup kicking that. Oh, yeah, you winner. loved it. Yeah. Um, but there was a drive in the, yeah, this is the second quarter or the third quarter where we gave the ball to Mike Davis like five times in a row, and he was just getting up the field. The blocking was solid. He was getting five, six yards of carry. We're getting multiple first downs. And I just I just feel like he can't get into a rhythm. I don't know if I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but that's got to be rectified. That's got to be figured out because I think he's still a capable enough back. He's not – you know, we're not talking about LaDainian Tomlinson in his prime, but come on, Mike Davis is a solid enough running back that we should, he should be able to get more production than this and more chances. Yeah, and he, he, didn't, he had zero targets in the passing game as well, which is a little surprising. So maybe – Maybe there's something going on there. Maybe like that. He he definitely needs to be a bigger part of this offense. Yeah, I mean, I like Corderell. He runs with a head full of steam. He's kind of like an unconventional back with the way he moves. He's a very north south runner, and I, and I like that. But you know, Mike Davis is capable of I think of yards after contact, being able to move a little more laterally, even though he's a big guy. Um, we we need him um, to, to to step up. And it's kind of funny we're saying this. Talking about like we need him to do this and we're gonna keep winning football games. You know, it's just it's it's nice to be able to talk about this, but this is a, a glaring issue with the offense. We're proving, you know, that we can win against subpar teams without Calvin Ridley and Mike Davis contributing in a really um, exponential way. I don't know if we're gonna be able to do that against really good teams uh, if if this streak continues. Yeah, and the the defense is gonna have to step up if we're going to win yeah. really good teams as yeah. well. The defense did force some turnovers. Two interceptions. One was a really critical red zone. That has been nice. Jalen, Jalen Hawkins, right? Yeah. He's, yeah, Hawkins. He's shown to be a bit of a ball hawk. That's his second pick now in the year. Yeah, Foyer with the pick uh, right after. What a terrible decision by two. Oh, Tua. God. That was like a quarterback spy and man that you just don't see, and you're like, I can throw it to this guy way down the field. Oh, there's a linebacker right there. Shit. Yeah. Foyer almost took that back to the house. Uh Deion Jones was very active in this football game. I really loved everything I saw from him. He made some really good sticks. Yeah, he had a good Had game. a sack. Um, only sack I think the Falcons had all day. Uh, led the team with uh, 11 solo tackles, four assisted tackles. Um, really just great overall production from Deion. That, that was like old school Deion right there. He was flying over the field making plays. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the defense – and then the, we got a, a blocked field goal, which wound up making a huge difference in the game. Um, which starts in Miami scoring drive, or potential scoring drive. So, yeah, the defense is going to have to do better in terms of being able to really limit um, limit points. But for who we got on the field, I was I was happy with with the effort, even though it is against the Dolphins who have been terrible all season. Um, I just don't know what else you're gonna you're gonna get. I mean, it would be nice to get more sacks and not give up as many. Uh, you know, big like Mike Jacecki killed us in this game um who i was talking about on the last show um seven catches for 85 and a touchdown Jalen waddle the rookie receiver also did work seven catches for 83 yards you feel like if you got those two guys with a better quarterback it could have been a long day for this defense but at the end of the day adam falcons made it happen matt coughed up a really bad fumble when he was trying to run and he got hit from behind 
really the only blemish on his day. I mean, the interception, I don't even blame him for it. I blame that on Calvin. But the, the, the fumble was bad. He did not protect the ball well enough there. He was still running around like he was going to make a play. I was like, Matt, just go down. What are you yeah. doing? I mean, it's good that we are learning how to win these tight games. Like, that was a classic game for us to lose the past couple years where we were up all game. Yeah. Blew it in the fourth quarter. Dolphins take the lead with about a little over two minutes left. And we got those two big hits to Pitts. But not only did that happen, then we got the extra first down or two that closed the game off so we could kick a field goal with no time on the clock. Yeah. It was beautiful. There was one point where Patterson probably could have had a touchdown, but he went down on purpose. He did not do yeah. what uh, Gurley did last Gurley, year. Gurley, yeah, screwed that so situation. So it was clear that this is a better coached team. Much better coached like, team. He was obviously told, do not score a touchdown. We have – Koo might be the best kicker in the league. Yeah, he's been perfect on all his kicks. I think 23 total kicks, if you include extra points, perfect on every single one. Like I've, I've never felt more confident watching – a last second kick yeah. for an Atlanta team yeah. down one point. Yeah, I was just sitting there. I was like, he's going to drill it. It's like 36 yards. It's fine. But like, you watch the NFL this year. Like, that – what oh, game was that? Bengals-Packers. Yeah. Like, five missed field goals yeah, in the last ridiculous. two minutes. Yeah. A lot of them were that short. So, it's like – Yeah, it was it's, nuts. It's not something to take for granted. Yeah. And it's and it's, it's disconcerting that we did get torn up against – by Tagovailoa. Villa. I mean, 32 of 40 for 291 and four touchdowns. We did pick him off twice, like we mentioned. But that's just – that's not going to cut it, man. That's not going to cut it. Defense has to continue to show improvement. I know they did force some turnovers, but you just can't let that happen. Yeah, and, I mean, they've had some big injuries already. So, so. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention Dante Fowler's on the IR. So he was having a really nice season so far. And uh, Yeah, what's up with that? Catch me up on that, Graham. Yeah, Adam, he is on injured reserve with a knee injury. So he's out for the next two games now. He's, he has to miss at least three games, which he missed one against the Dolphins. Um, so, yeah, I mean – Fowler had two sacks going into this game. He had a, he was getting more pressure on the quarterback on a consistent basis, even though he didn't have like a ton of sacks. It's still two at this point in the season. It's pretty good. You're on pace for at least eight or nine, probably at that point. Um, you know, which sucks because you know we're ranked 29th in sacks. We still not getting a ton of pressure on the quarterback, even though we're blitzing a little more. So that's that's a big that's a big loss. Yeah, the one good thing about Dante Fowler being out is that uh, we get to see some of the young guys, the rookie Agunda J, my boy Graham. Yeah, who had the big block against the Dolphins that might have saved the game. Hell yeah, he did, man. He's got he's got those big, long arms, throws them up. That we, we've been seeing that a lot in this D, uh, Dean Pease defense and special teams. So we get to see some of the younger guys play and learn and grow. And that's what we want out of this team is just – and we've seen the constant development week to week. So who who knows what this team cur- turns into? This could be the Braves, Graham. No. This could be the damn Braves. So. <laughs> we got back to 500. We're going to keep getting better. Maybe we'll make a trade. Who knows? No. Well, the problem is, Adam, is that we're so cap-strapped, we can't do anything. We can't take on any more money. Yeah. It, it's just this team is what it is. We're not getting any additions. We're not going to trade for somebody. We're not probably not going to sign anyone off the, off the street unless we really need some more depth. Um. I would not get your expectations up. I guess this is one of the reasons we got a recent one-star review on uh, iTunes, Adam, where someone said, they're so negative. I guess that's what happens after you lose a 28-3 to Super Bowl. We got that review? Yeah. Just a username like 33377 or something. I don't know. He didn't even have the balls to use any uh, letters in his name. But that's fair. We'll take that criticism. I think I'm pretty positive. I think I've been more positive. They were probably less, talking about you. Probably. But I think I've had less blow-up moments. Um, so negative. Yeah, the the neg- I, I actually um, going back to the Braves real quick. Graham and I got in a texting battle 
during the game where you were screaming about how this game's on snit if because he brought in Will Smith versus keeping Matzik in for no, third inning. No, Luke Jackson. No, you had said. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I would have still run out. Matzik you can't. In the inning. You throw went through six pitches in three, the last inning. Three innings. Come on, that's that's. I would have done it. I would have done it. That's Although I don't mind the move. I still the worst move to me. I'll still say is just not going to Matzik initially. But I would have. I mean, no one could touch Matzik that night. I would have done it. Three innings is crazy, Greg. but he only threw six pitches in the second inning. You gotta look at the pitch count. He only throw through like fifteen pitches. He could go one more inning. You gotta look as a reliever. It's the getting up and getting down, getting up and getting down. That's not natural to them. Anyways, no, nothing was gonna stop. Anyways, him. I'm I'm cutting this negativity out of my life. So I'm sad we got that one star review, but you know that's okay. That'll happen. Sure. I think we're we're pretty yeah. positive, and that, jovial guys. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, you know whatever. It's, it's some some criticism. It's fine. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Sure. That's a good point, Graham. That's a good point. But, yeah, the Falcons sitting here at 3-3. Three and three And let me look at the schedule together, Graham. Because, you know, it's really the opening loss of the Eagles. Obviously, that was ugly. We always lose to Philly early on and then see what happens to them like, later. We played Any the, Philly sports. We've played the Bucks better than a lot of other teams played them. Oh, uh, for sure. The Washington loss looks worse and worse. But now we got the Panthers, who are terrible again. They're really bad now. I was, <laughs> dude, I couldn't believe how great their defense was, and Darnold looked really good. But now, Darnold is awful. Defense isn't as good as it was, and they just got their asses kicked by the Giants, like so, twenty-five to three. Yeah, so they're really so that's another winnable a game. Tailspin. Panthers coming to home next week. That's a winnable game at the Saints. I think that's a winnable game at the Cowboys. I don't. I'm not scared of the Cowboys, Graham. I know everyone thinks they're great. Cowboys are good. I think we'll definitely probably get our butts kicked in that one. On paper, that's probably a loss, but I think we can hang. Uh, then we got the Patriots. Patriots are kind of getting it going a little bit. They're definitely getting it going. Look, and look out for them. Bill Belichick just has our freaking number. But you could argue that we could win that game. And then we got the Jaguars. Should be a win. Bucks, probable loss, but possible. You never know. Panthers again. 49ers kind of suck again. Yeah. Uh, Lions suck. Yeah. They try so hard, though. Bills will get killed. Yep. And Saints winnable game. So, um, it's highly possible, Adam, that we will win more than uh, six games or whatever the bet was. I think it was five. Yeah, we're definitely going to win more than that, Bo. So. I mean, being three and three is huge. Sure. Three out of our last four, like you said, not the best opponents in the world, but... We're learning how to win against the bad teams, and then maybe we'll be able to pull something off against a good team. Exactly. Uh, you never know. But either way, solid win. Even if it was a little ugly, still solid. A win's a win, especially with this team, for sure. It doesn't really matter how you win. So 3-3, three and three, we'll head into next week and uh, see what happens. Here, here. All right, Adam, let's talk about them Hawks. Um, got their butts kicked. I guess we're going to do an episode per Hawks game. At this point. At this rate, yeah. Yeah. Got their butts kicked by Cleveland. Very disappointing. Uh, we kind of struggled against them last year, but I really did not see a, a letdown happening after that uh, first game. I mean, you look at this this uh, Cleveland lineup. They got guys like, you know, the corpse of Kevin Love is still there. Ricky Rubio is still there. He's still a viable player. But, you know, Colin Sexton's all right. But it's like you just look at it. You're just like, this is on paper not – a great team at all and you look at us 
we just came out really slow and just got our butts handed to us by a, by a team that was ready to go, and and I don't know why they were more ready to go than we were. We were coming in a day off. They had played a game the night before, and they looked like they hadn't played for ten years, and they were just full of energy. We looked like uh, you know we were staying out partying too much after that. Um, or, or think maybe they were thinking about the Braves too much, Adam. Maybe Trey Young was thinking about the Braves and it distracted his play. Well, it's certainly a different scenario where now we and this is going to be all year. Like all the bad teams, they're going to be oh, chosen to play us. us. Yeah, like, for sure. We're usually the team that could sneak up on some good teams and get some wins, but it's the complete opposite scenario. And like it was the third quarter where we got our asses kicked, got outscored thirty-one seventeen. So like, you know, we were we were up at halftime, and it was just like. I'm not sure what happened there. We just didn't shoot well in that third quarter in particular. Um, and overall, only shot 38% from the field, only 29% from three-point range. Um, rebounds were even. But, yeah, we weren't um, – I don't know. It's just like the offense couldn't really get in a great rhythm. But it's weird. You look at, like, the stat lines, and it's like Trey with 24-7, and seven, Capella doing his normal double-double, 10 points and 14 boards. Uh, Reddish, once again, had a, had a really nice game scoring the basketball and was definitely – the best player, I think, on the, on the floor offensively, shot fifty percent from uh, the field, three of five from three point range. Um, also contributed six rebounds, and it was just weird that when you look at all the stats, you're like, why didn't we? Why didn't we win this thing? Well, when you see six points from John Collins, five points from Bogey, yeah, four points from Herder, yeah, I mean that like that makes that, a big difference for sure. Yeah, and you know, I know Cam is putting up a couple big point game so far this year but i don't think he has any assists in the first two games and that's a little problematic to me like he's looking to he's a gun right now yeah which is i don't know if that's his role and that's the thing with having this many good players on a team people are gonna have to find their roles like remember like last year john collins he had to take on a lesser role in order to excel yeah so a lot of like bogey's gonna have a lesser role this year um and I mean Trey hasn't been shooting great, so it's like no. it's going to take us some time to figure out what everyone's role on this team well, is. Well, yeah, especially with the emergence of Reddish. Um, well, Herder's not going to be starting anymore. Yeah, Herder's he, not he, starting. He started so most of the games it's, last year. It's a different dynamic, even though it's the same core team, pretty much as a different dynamic. It's not something I think to get worried about. Oh my God, we lost to Cleveland the second game of the year. We're fucked, you know, or anything like that. I'm not but, concerned. No, but it is. I think you're exactly right. It's a thing where there's still some chemistry issues that have to be figured out. But I still am fully confident. I'm not walking back anything I, I said on uh, Saturday's show. This is still a very viable basketball team that should be contending for an NBA title by uh, season's end. And uh, I don't think there's any reason to be too worried. And they'll get their stuff together. So we, we got another bad um, basketball team tonight in the Pistons mm. uh, at State Farm Arena. Tickets are as low as $14. A little cheaper to go see a Hawks game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, than, than the World Series. Going to the World Series. Um, but, yeah, they're obviously we're not getting concerned about the Hawks after one loss. Too bad team. They'll get it going. Um, it was certainly the team of the three teams that played this weekend – I'm happy the Hawks. If someone had to lose, I'm happy it was the Hawks. The Hawks sack. Once the Hawks lost, we scored a run. That's that's what happened. Yeah, it was funny. So there we go. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of, I was kind of following that game for a little bit, and then I was like, you know, this this is the World just, Series. Yeah, I was like, this doesn't matter as yeah. much. We gotta. I mean, hate to say that, but you know, I'd be saying the same things if, if it was a damn 
Braves regular season game and the Hawks were, you know, if it's a Braves game in April and the Hawks are, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals or something, you know, screw that. We're watching the damn Hawks game. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is a – we're coming back to baseball again, but it's just like such a unique opportunity. Obviously, I, I don't remember the 99 World Series at all. I, I remember turning it on, seeing that we were about to lose, and that's it. Yeah. Um. So th- this is the first time I've appreciated something like this, and it's it's just really cool. So mm-hmm. certainly want to appreciate it all, but it certainly does. Like I turned that Falcons game on yesterday, and I was like, eh. <laughs> like I'd I'd prefer to win. Yeah, but I'm not going to get worked up if we lose. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah, it, it would have been a bummer to lose that game. I'm happy that they came back and won it. But yeah, I had the same reaction. I think when uh, Ku was setting up, I was like, he's going to make it. But even if he misses, I'm not going to get bent out of shape. Life's too short. No, well, that's for once the Braves are done, then I'll. Like if if we get to four and three, if we can get to five and three, and then ooh, I might get a little invested, Grant. Oh man, I'm still invested. Mentally and emotion. No, we're invested, but not fully emotionally. Right, right. We're keeping everything at like arm's length. You know, it's sort of like when you're casually dating somebody, it's like not ready to. You know, you're cool, but yeah, let's yeah. just take a take a second. We'll see. We'll yeah, see. we'll see. Um, I guess the last thing to really say is, uh, go Braves. And I can't believe we're here. So cool. Yeah, to say the least, Graham. Yeah, I cool. Have, it's very cool. <laughs> I have no monologue or words of wisdom here. It's just I think we I think we've uh, talked it to death. So we'll let you take what we've said and uh, do with it what you will. Give us a one star review on iTunes if you hate it, <laughs> and uh, we'll try to do better next time. Yeah, some of you people that actually listen, we we, we could actually use a couple good uh, reviews at this point. We've never asked for this before. But that's like back to back one stars from random losers. There's a two star from another random. Guy. Okay, yeah, yeah, but from Benny seven three four seven yeah. seven. Or whatever. We know we've got some some loyal uh, users out there. So if you'd give us a review, that would be good. And I'm going to leave you with the same speech that I've done the last couple weeks. Anytime that we're in a position like this, it's not easy to get back to the World Series. Like, don't assume just because we're here this year that we're going to be back next year. So as happy as I am to be here, Graham, I'm not satisfied. I want it all. This is our chance for a fucking parade. I don't know if that's going to be up in Cobb County. I was thinking about this today. Would that be in Cobb (laughs) County? Would that be downtown Atlanta? Maybe they would, like, do both. I don't know. But this is our chance, and it could be, like, you know, as, as soon as the next five, six days if things go really well. Right. So... Enjoy our team being here, but you know, let's not be completely satisfied yet. Let's 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 just close it out, Graham. This is the time. How often do you get an Eddie or Rosario just catch fire? Probably not since Eddie Perez. Like Matzik is gonna be was also just a complete gem of a find. He's not gonna be this good of a pitcher for more than a few more years. Probably not. Gotta take advantage of it now. Exactly. We've got some guys that are just on fire. Let's do it. That's how you win the championship. We got thirty seven year old Charlie Morton. Yeah. He's got a year or two left. Yeah. We got Freddie, you know, age 32, I think, now. He could be on the Yankees next year. You never know. You hope to Christ that doesn't happen. <laughs> that would devastate me beyond there's, belief. There's no way we let get him get away. Um, no way. I'll, I'll still stick with that. Yeah, but it's 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 emotional, man. When you think about especially with Freddie, all these years, been with us since 2010. The last John Sherholtz picked player gets his chance at the World Series. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Un- Let's go. Let's win this thing. Let's go, Graham. Let's do it. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. Hope you're well. Until then, chop on.
Hospitominus 7. Hospitominus 7.